So if you have your Bibles, whether it be on a phone, whether it be on paper, I want you to grab it quickly. And uh, today we're going to do something. We, we are going to be looking at maybe nine or ten verses. But I'm going to break them up and I'm going to talk through each of them. And uh, because it's going to help us build into what I believe we are going to be learning out of this passage today. So turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 2 and we're going to be reading from verse 6. And this is what Paul pens to the church in Colossae. He says, so then, just as you received Christ, as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted, built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. In my mind, I was thinking as we read, thankfulness, everybody just burst out in applause, the building shook, the, the roof caved down, and, you know, there was Jesus. So. But that's okay. Today I want to take a few minutes, and I believe what Paul is asking us to do here in this passage, as we read they've been bombarded with outside influence, different kind of teachings, and as I was reading this, I believe God was saying, create the culture. As we look at this passage today, we are going to create the culture. Can we pray quickly? So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, for your hand over our lives, for your blessing over our families, for your faithfulness and for your goodness. From you come all things and to you is everything made and therefore we give you the glory and so father we pray that as we unravel this word as as we look at it that you would work in us and through us to become change agents we ask this in your name do what you do lord jesus amen amen so creating the culture I love this word culture because we want to be able to create something that is us. And if you go have a look at the word culture in the dictionary, it says a, a behavior, a, a set of customs or ideas of a specific group of people or a society. Uh, how many of you guys are, have been in different cultures. Now, we've been across the border and we've seen different people and their cultures and it's different, but have you ever been in a sports team and experienced a sports culture? So, growing up, um, I played a lot of sports because we didn't have Netflix or the internet. <laughs> so, I had to go and find friends and spend time outside. And so I tried to do whatever sports that I could play. 
So I, I played rugby, I tried soccer, um, I played a sport called korfball. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of korfball. It's, it's like um, netball, but they allow guys to play as well. And, and it was really cool, very fast-paced. It's, it's, and, and it's Afrikaans, where I come from. <laughs> Hence the name, korfball. I have no idea what it's in English. Korfball. I don't know. But then I also tried my hand at this other sport called inline hockey. So in South Africa, we don't have snow, and in, especially in the high felt where the Kruger National Park is, there ain't ice cubes. So we played hockey on rollerblades. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. You played it on concrete, guys. So, so when you fell, it's very warm. That's, that's all I'm saying. And they, they, they make you play outside, so there's always sun. But they, in each of these different sports, teams, events that I took place or took part in, they all had a different culture. And, I, and the one that I was reminded of was the hockey one. Because here's just a bunch of Afrikaans guys that just speak English. Yeah, because inline hockey is apparently an English sport. So all the people we played with, I was the only English-speaking person at the time. And then we got a few more English-speaking people, and then I realized all the English-speaking people that were with us were actually Afrikaans. And, man, they had a different culture. So they were loud, I thought, and, and it was a white sport. Sorry, I'm not trying to be racist, but uh, no kid went, I'm going to climb outside, and I'm going to go and run around with these boys on blades and sticks, and this is going to be fun. So... Um, I mean, we, we were just running around and having fun, and we, we ended up going on tour. We, we came to play here in Cape Town once, and then I re realized the culture is different in this team. They were loud. We listened. That's where my love for um, heavy metal rock music came from, because that's all we listened to. It's a 16-hour trip from Secunda to Cape Town. And they only brought one CD. You, I don't know about you guys, but back then we had to make our own CDs. You know, we didn't have like um, Spotify and Apple Music where you could select a playlist. No, you listen to whatever the person made on their CD. So, you know, it was offspring and shouting music and crazy. So there was a different culture. And one of the things that I realized was that our gear smelled bad. Because you, you play with a lot of pads and after the game you take it off you throw it in a bag, you close the bag, and then you wait till the next game. Sometimes you play three games a day. And, and, and you guys know Cape Town weather in summer is lovely. Yeah, it's like that hot wind doesn't blow, it's just hot. And I'm like, man, we smell. But it was only by the second day I realized why we smelt, because no one showered. It's like, the culture was, you know, we are crazy. If we go out, we'll shower. But we didn't because, you know, after you play your match, the malls and all were here, so you kept your gear on, you walk, people looked. It's like, oh, that's amazing. They play this kind of sport. You go to town, you go home, you play a night game, you go and sleep, you wake up, you get to the early game. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, guys, we smell like death. Now, now I, was, I was a different guy. My mom told me, you wash your feet. You can't go to, feet, to bed with dirty feet because if you die, doctor's going to say you died of dirt. And I'm like, we're all going to die of dirt in this place. So, so there was this culture. But, but one thing happened. Uh, uh, 
went to breakfast a bit late. I slept in on the one day. I went to breakfast a bit late. And all the team, uh, we had like three teams, and they were all sitting around a table. And as I got my food, I sat down, and I prayed. And they thought this was really weird. And you could hear the awkwardness around the table as people were putting down their knives and forks. You know, they're like, yeah, man, shh. I bet. <laughs> and, and so I open my eyes and everybody goes, amen. I'm like, yeah, okay. And, and so what, what, what happened was whenever I went for supper, they all came and sat with me because that was the only time we would pray. And they were like, hey, these teams are way better. Milo, pray for us. So within a culture of us smelling, we created a new culture where we pray. Now, it wasn't the most spiritual thing, you know. We didn't have Bible study. We prayed for our food that we wouldn't get diarrhea while we're playing sports. So, but, you know, there are these different cultures that we find ourselves in. And Paul is writing to us and going, you know, what kind of culture do you have? Because this is the year that we are believing that God has more for us. And when it comes to more, it's all about growing. And you can only grow, or not only grow, you grow according to the environment that you find yourself in. So what kind of environment are you creating or what kind of environment are you stepping into? What is the culture that you find yourself in? Culture is created intentionally or accidentally. And it's based on what you allow or tolerate. So what are you allowing or tolerating in your life? In your relationship with your family, your spouse, your kids, in your walk with Jesus? What are you allowing? Now, it's not, we go, and this is an example, my kids are very toxic with each other. They con talk condescendingly, is that a word? Is that right? They talk down on each other. They mock each other, they make fun, and a lot of it is really funny, and we go, yeah, yeah, again, no, no, we don't do that. But you see, it's, we allow that, but a lot of times we go, don't say that. And our culture is not just based on what we allow and like don't do, but it's also what we do. So are you allowing an environment that is awake and alive to encouragement? Because we always tell, like, let me use the example of my kids now. So last night, this was one of them. My oldest son made fun of my younger son. And I was like, we always say, don't do that. And so I called him and I'm like, can you please stop mocking your brother? For the next half an hour, the only words you're allowed to say to your siblings are words of encouragement and words that uplift each other. Do you know how difficult that is? He walks to his sister and he goes, Rebecca, 
you have beautiful hair. <laughs> I'm like, um, Jaden, you are a nice brother. And my boys just break down and laughing. Why? Because they haven't had an environment where we create speaking good to each other. We say don't do the bad, but we don't facilitate the good. And that is what I realized. And as we were going through this passage, I believe that that is what Paul is wanting us to do. He wants us to grow. He wants us to create a culture, not just, how many of you guys have ever been to a church where it says, no, don't do that? Hey, don't do that. Oh, we don't do that. It's like, we don't lift our hands. We don't wear tackies on stage. You know, you, know you, you, you always have these rules of what we don't allow. But we need to create a culture where we say, this is what we do. So when we come in, you guys would have noticed over the past couple of weeks, I say, hey, can we run around and quickly high five each other? Because we want to create a culture when we see each other that goes, hey, how you doing? Not in that creepy kind of way, but, you know, take notes. And um, <laughs> welcome back, Sadmon. <laughs> you know, we want to create a space where we come in and when someone tells us, hey, listen, I've been going through a, a difficult time, we don't go, oh, shame. We go, you know what, in the name of Jesus, we declare and pray that you will have fruitful days ahead of you. You will be blessed. You will be encouraged. When we get to hear people going, you know what? My wife is not feeling well, and we pray for her. My son went into hospital last week, and normally we don't tell anybody. I'm, I'm such a bad pastor. <laughs> and we don't tell anybody. Why? Because we go, you know what? We're here. We're praying. It's okay. Everybody's got their problems. Everybody's going through something, and so we just keep it back. But then I get on stage and I'm like, hey, if you're going through something, let us know. And the Holy Spirit, which is Alison, she goes, you know what? You've got to let people know. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. So I climbed on our group and I sent messages out and I'm like, hey, guys, this is what's happening. And we got prayer nonstop. We got words of encouragement nonstop. I got fat because people kept dropping off food. Thank you to everybody that loves us. And so we want to create that culture in this church, in this family where we go, if there is a need, what can we do? We are not going to stand by and allow the world to dictate what we as a church believe and how we act. We are going to create the culture. And that is what Paul says as he writes this thing. Can we go back quickly to verse 6 and 7? He goes, so then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So Paul has given us this recipe to create a culture. I call it the four F's of culture because I found four F's to describe how to make this culture thing work. Apparently, that's the pastoral thing to do. And the first thing that I believe Paul is telling us to do here is we need to follow through. You need to make sure that you live and ground yourself in him. 
It says, you know what? Just as you have received Christ, live in him. How many of you guys are part of any kind of club? Even the dance club. You know that? Apparently that's a thing. Um, a gym? Anybody go to gym? Okay, everybody, ha- who has a gym membership? That's, a, that's the honest question, right? Who has a gym membership versus who goes to gym? And, and this is what I believe Paul is saying when he says, live in Christ, follow through. It's not enough that you have a gym membership. You have to go. You have to do it. So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's not enough that we just be. We have to live through him. That is what we've been learning in Colossians. If you want to create a culture, I am sorry to say, if you say you're a Christian, we read our Bibles. If you say you're a Christian, we gather in church. If you say you're a Christian, you pray and get together with people and you eat. I mean, talk about Jesus and eat. Amen. But we have to live through him. I love the word that they use here. Paul writes, to be built up but rooted in him. And rooted over there has like two kind of meanings as I look at it. Have you ever seen a tree's root system? Depending on what tree you look at is the roots go down and wide. And roots are there for two things. Number one, to feed the tree so that it can grow. So if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, guys, you need to be rooted in who he is. You need to read his word. You need to pray. Not just when you're in trouble. Not just the night before you write your your exams. That's what we do. Oh my Lord Jesus, please help our kids. Not just when there are dark and troubling days, you need to be in the Word, you need to be in His presence always, because that's how you get fed. But not only are roots there to feed a tree, it's there to keep it steady through the storms of life. Because if we are just all Jesus up here, but not Jesus in here, the moment something happens, we become like a tree that doesn't have its roots firmly rooted in we're going to fall over. And most trees don't get planted back. They die. And so as Paul says, you need to be rooted in. It's supposed to give you this understanding when the winds, when the troubles, when they blow against us. We, we had some crazy wind these past couple of weeks. And the wind blew, but our trees stood. But we had to clean up because there was a mess because all the leaves blew off. And so I'm telling you, you're going to go through life storms and you're not going to come out looking pretty always. Some of you are going to look woos this way and, and everything, but you're still going to be standing. You're still going to be fed. You're going to come out next season stronger with more branches and, and more life, still alive. So we need to create a culture based on being rooted in the word. So can I ask you, can you follow through on your walk with Jesus? Church is not enough. Church is good, but it's not enough. Hearing a word of year is good, but it's not enough. 
Praying over here with us is good, but it's not enough. Look at someone dead in the eye and say, it's not enough. Okay, that gives me a chance to go to my next point. You've got to follow through. And the second thing you need to do is understand this, that your foundation that you build on is key. We need a strong foundation. And that foundation, as we've been reading through the book of Colossians, is Jesus. How many of you, now, I remember when adverts used to be really big. Growing up, you know, you watched more adverts than TV. Um, any of you like telesales? Telesalesmen? Is there, are there any telesalesmen here? None. Okay, online, you know what, we love you, but check this out. An, an advert and a telesalesperson's job is to convince you to buy something you don't have or don't need. Cell phones. Who's got a cell phone? But they'll always phone you. It's like, what kind of phone do you have? A working one. Okay, I've got a better one for you. And then they spend all this time telling you about what you get and, and how this thing works. And, and, and you can do this. And your grandmother can see you this way in 3D. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, uh, like just, just up there. And it's like, I don't need it. But they become so convincing that you buy it. And now you're spending more for something you don't need. And now you're sitting with guilt. If you're a tele salesman and you're listening to this, you know, Jesus still loves you. Do what you need to do. Uh, make money. Um, don't call me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who's wait? Zero eight two. Let me see. No, I won't do that. <laughs> you see, if we don't know our financial situation or what we have, everything that gets presented to us, we are going to want to take, and it's going to put us in a financial strain, or it's going to put us in a situation where we just don't feel like we can cope anymore. That is why we need to build a solid foundation. Because when we build a foundation that we walk on, no matter what people try to sell us in the form of how to follow Jesus, in whatever way we can say, no, we don't need that. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. I love that word that they use, captive. To take you prisoner. That is what these telemarketers do. They take you prisoner in this phone call. Every time you're like, I'm not interested, but hold on, there's more. And, and that's kind of what is happening in this book of Colossians, in this letter that Paul is writing to this church. People are coming in and they're telling them that, listen, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But we want to create a culture where people walk in and they find freedom, not rituals. In the beginning it said, just as you have received Christ. How did we receive Christ? By grace, through faith, which is free. So can we live like that, built on a foundation of Jesus that loves us? Not religion, but freedom. 
Let me, let me put it this way. Alison and myself, when we started our teen ministry, we started where um, we, we ran a youth ministry. And, and, and it was fruitful. It was big. It was growing. And we had these kids that were on fire for Jesus. I mean, it's every youth pastor's dream to have people that you can phone. It's like, hey, will you guys pray? Will you guys lead? Will you preach? Will you open? Will you wash my car? All those things. No, we didn't have the washing cars once. <laughs> it's like, oh, it didn't work. Um, and, and they were amazing young men and women. But then something was creeping in. They would ask people questions. Didn't matter who it was, whether they were new or been coming to the youth for a while, they would ask them questions. But it would be questions in such a way that would make people feel guilty. And they would question their faith journey. And for some, it actually turned them away. And this is what Paul is saying. It's like, don't allow the simplicity of the gospel to be taken away from you. The gospel is Jesus died for our sins. He's alive again, living in heaven because of the resurrection. And now he lives in me, and everybody who believes in him has everlasting life. That is it. But then Paul goes, you know what? Make sure that is your foundation. Because if there's a 10-step program to getting into heaven, it is wrong. So we need to make sure that our foundation is correct. In everything, it is Jesus. Let me ask, do Christians play golf? They do, because it takes a lot of patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit that comes out of you when you play golf. <laughs> um, do, do Christians run big companies, multi-million rands, and yes, they do. We had, a, we, we had a chat. It's not Jesus and what I do, it's Jesus in everything. So when we meet up with people that have a different set of beliefs than us, we don't go and say, sinner! Repent. We do what Jesus does. Can we go eat? Can we talk? Can I show you love? And then they can tell you about all the cosmic awesomeness of Jupiter and whatever planet, and you can go, I know. My God created that all. And that is what we do. I was, I was chatting to a, a couple of guys in our, our life group, and they were going, you know what, we don't like it when people blaspheme all the time. And I told them, you know what, it's okay. Hang around with those people. And the next time they go, oh, Jesus, you go up to them and go, you know what, that's amazing because I know him too. Let us pray. And let's see how that changes everything. So build your foundation on Jesus. Follow through, build a foundation. And then the next one you need to do is fix your filter. How do you see your walk with Jesus? Now, I'm, 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 I'm getting older, and uh, so there's a lot of these social platforms popping up. My wife and daughter love one called Snapchat. Um, don't ask me about TikTok. I know nothing about it. But Snapchat, they've got these filters. 
You take a f you hold the camera in front of you, and you can put different filters on you. I mean, my wife would sit there, and she'd like, hey, look here quickly, and then I see myself, and then I've got these panda ears, or these big eyes, or these amazing, awesome lips, guys. And like, you blink, and it's like, it's me, but with a filter. And we walk through life with filters on our relationship with Jesus. It's us, but we've got a filter on. And what I believe Paul is saying, we need to take off filters or fix the filter that we see our walk with Jesus is. Because he, he writes in Colossians 2 verse 9, for in Christ, now I want you to pay attention to this one, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And we found this out in the first week, Jesus is God, right? Complete God. But then verse 10 says this, And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So in Christ is God. And you in Christ are made complete. There's nothing else that you need. Let me give you an example. We are made complete. We are full. Um, one day, Ali and myself, we were, I can't remember where we were. It was probably at church or some function. And my mom-in-law was there as well. And, hi mom. And I introduced my mother-in-law as, hi, this is Alison's mom. And she actually said, no, I am his mother, he's my son. And that blew my mind. I had to change the filter of how I looked at the relationship that I have with my mother-in-law. She's not Alison's mom, she's now my mom. And we do the same with our walk with Jesus. What is something? I had a friend. I am an ex-drug addict. No, don't stop there. Keep going. Tell someone don't stop. Check this out. You're not a drug addict and, or a recovering drug addict. You're a son of the Most High God. Hey, we walk around and we go, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yes, that is good, but don't stop there. You are more than that. You are a sinner saved by grace, but you are also a son. You are powerful. You can't just stop at, this is where I am at the cross and what Jesus did for me. He says, no, you've got to live through it. You've got to live past it. It is your past. It's your story. It's your testimony. To see other people come into a relationship with Jesus. But you need to fix your filter. You aren't your past. You are made new in Christ. You see, this is what he says as we carry on reading, it says, In him we were all circumcised with circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh has been put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And then you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You are a new creation. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. And check this out. He forgave us all our sins, 
having cancelled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. He didn't just say, oh, unings, run along. He took your sin and he said, no, in front of everybody, no more. So I am not my past. It's part of my story. I am who Jesus says I am. I am free. We can't worship God until we understand that we are free. We can't proclaim that he is good until we understand that he has brought us out of what we were and he has given us a new name. And the greatest thing about this, and this is the last thing, the fourth F, is that it's finished. How many parents have ever asked your kids to do something? Vacuum. Do the dishes. How many of you guys have kids that go, yes, I will do that? Mom, dad, providers of my needs and wants, I will do everything you ask. All parents, there we go. We've got such amazing kids. It's those people online that I'm worried about. Um, but something that we have done a lot of times is it's just habit. Our kids go off to school and sometimes, how many of you guys rush for school? And then when we come home, we walk past and we're picking up stuff. We put it in the room and it's like, oh, I'll just clean up here. You know, pull it straight without you even thinking about it. You clean it. They get home. They fall into bed. Clean bed, clean room. The day starts over. It's finished. That's what Jesus did. He's like, you don't have to work for anything. He's like, your life must have been a mess, but it's okay. I have sorted it out. Just come to me. It is finished. He forgave us. He transformed us. He gave us new life. He canceled our sin. He restored us. And now we need to know that we are part of the family. Because if you have to constantly strive for love in your family, the culture that you build is always going to be of, I need to achieve something. But Jesus comes and he says, it is finished. Live a life in me, rooted, so that you can grow and withstand Build your foundation on me because I am not going anywhere. I stay the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Change the way you look at yourself. Why? Because I love you and I have called you into purpose. And then understand this. You are part of this family. It is finished. You do not have to work for anything. And that is the culture that Paul is saying we need to have within the church so that when people come in here and they go, this is my problem, we go, we've got the solution, it is Jesus. When people come in hurt and broken, we go, we'll love you like Jesus. When people come and tell us, this is not how it works, we go, we know, but we have Jesus. It is finished. Let's create the culture where we grow. Can we pray?